Luke chapter 15. And this is going to be a uh, con- continuation in a sense of what we talked about last week of, uh, of making a U-turn and um, uh, of what Christ did of making, taking us and making the adoption of sons and why he pursued us and loved us and sacrificed so much for us to be here right now. But then the thing is, a lot of us are not where we should be. And that, that's just the truth. And, and, and the story that we're about to tell, and, and, and it's Jesus' story, his illustration, a lot of you are going to sit there and say, well, I've never been as bad as this guy. But the thing is, all of us have been spiritually in this situation in the past. Uh, Jen and I, it was, um, I surprised Jen with a, a trip a couple years ago for our anniversary. And uh, we, we I told her I was going to take her to Green Bay, Wisconsin to go to a Green Bay Packer game. And it was Green Bay Packers versus the Chicago Bears. And, and if you know anything about the NFL or whatever, that, that's, a, that's a big deal to do that. And it worked out. It was a Thursday night game, so uh, I was able to still go to it and, and, and be home for Sunday and all those things. So it's, it was not only a cool experience, it was a crazy long trip to go up to Green Bay, Wisconsin. But I love my wife, and she loves Aaron Rodgers. And so uh, <laughs> I love my wife, and she loves me, and Aaron Rodgers. But <laughs> we are uh, going up on this, and, and I'm, I am a very, I get distracted very easy. So I, I'm like, I'll be driving, and I'll be like, cool, helicopter. You know, and Jen's like, eyes on the road, eyes on the road. It just... I, I'm still a kid at heart, th- things like that it easily distract me. I, I, I like to watch things. And, and going into a big city it, it, is bad. I, I'm just going, I'm, I'm watching the buildings and all the big bridges and all this stuff. I sound like I'm five, don't I? <laughs> like, and I, and I'm, I'm driving into the city and we're driving up through Chicago. And we're getting into this and I'm listening to my GPS and it's telling me where to go. And almost, almost the Joe illustration last week, but only in real life. So we're driving, and we're just about to go into Chicago, that area. And my GPS, I'm looking down at the lines. And sometimes you just have to listen to what it says and not just pay attention to the lines. And there was this line, this line, this line. And I, I, I thought it was telling me to go this way. But anyways, I got off on the wrong line. And I get off, and I drive down into this area. We're not in Chicago. We're on the outskirts of Chicago. Oh, no. We're on the outskirts of Chicago, Okay. And, and I drive down in this area, and, and I turn, and I'm like, what did I do? Well, there was no exit back up onto this area. So I thought it has to turn back around, and the GPS is just going nuts. I couldn't throw it out of the window because it was built into my car. And I am, I am going crazy, and I am, I am getting worked up, and I'm getting aggravated, and I can't. And eventually, Jen can vouch for this. Eventually, I drive up to, and his GPS says, keep going forward. There is a fence gate, eight foot tall, in front of me with a chain around it. And I'm just like, what now? I was so aggravated. And I am thinking, five minutes ago, I was listening to the radio, holding my wife's hand. We were, we were having a great time. We were talking and laughing and all this. And now I am, I am just aggravated. I, I am upset at my GPS. I'm upset at this fence. I'm upset at the road. Don't judge me. <laughs> <laughs> you guys, some of you probably did that coming to church this morning. You just, it's easy to do. Right. I asked the question, I look at it, I said, how did we end up here? How did we get to this spot? What I realized, especially from the, the passage that we're going to talk about of making a U-turn in our life, is we get 
to place it in our life and we, we, we don't realize it. You don't realize how far you go till you turn around and look at where you came from. Have you ever done that before? You, you don't realize how far when you're looking at one step at a time and you're going and, and it's not a big deal because you're looking at just that in front of you. And you turn around and go, how did I get from there to here? I, w- I want to talk today, not necessarily about the U-turn, but I, I think we need to start today with how did we get off track? We, we need to understand because if you don't learn how you got off track, what you're going to do is you're going to get off track again because you create and do the same things that you did. People, people have said, I, I, I don't know how I got to this place in my life. No, no one graduates from high school and plans to become a drug addict. No, no, one, no one gets to that point and says, you know what, stands at the altar of this church and says, honey, one day we'll probably get divorced, but let's do this anyways. Nobody does that. Nobody walks into anything in life with premeditated failure. I, I, I hope not anyways. Nobody does that. Luke chapter 15 verse 11. And I'm going to spend half of our time this morning. I, I just setting this up. Because the thing is if you just read this as a parable in scripture. Not get the depth of this. Then the meaning is not going to be as great. Luke chapter 15 verse 11. And he said a certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that followed to me. And he divided unto them his living, unto him his living. Not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and he took his journey into a far country. And there he wasted his substance with riotous living. When he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in the land and he began to be in want. When he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country and and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would, he would feign to have filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat. And no man gave unto him. Let's pray. Lord, I know that this story has way more depth than just a young man running from his dad and coming home. And Lord, if we don't understand the depth, then we won't understand the principles that get us off and back again to you. And Lord, we just pray, Lord, as, as this group is gathered, we, we've not just gathered to praise your name. We've not gathered just to fellowship and reunite. Lord, we have gathered for the sole purpose of being with you, to hear from you. And Lord, the words that I just read were not man's words whatsoever. You spoke these words. These are, and this is, the very message that has come from you. Lord, we know when it comes from you, it's perfect, it's powerful, and it will change our lives. And that's why we're doing what we're doing right now. Lord, have that effect in our lives today. We pray in your name. Amen. I, Jesus is telling this story. He gathers this crowd, what Jesus was great at doing. He spoke with illustrations. Half, half of the ministry of Jesus was, was ministering to people and teaching. I mean, it was, he did a lot of that, and he was constantly trying to edify people and build them up. But when Jesus would teach, he, would, he was the best teacher. He would gather around, and he would put it on our level. And I mean, sometimes I get back, like today's lesson, I, our message, it's, it's, I'm, I'm just going to give you principles, but I think that's important. I, I want you guys to walk away saying, this, 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 and this is what it takes to, to leave God and to come back to God. 
But he gathered and he had a unique crowd and, and a part of his crowd that he gathered was the Pharisees and the scribes. They were there and Jesus knew it. And their job as being the Pharisees and them was to know the law, to know the writings of the law, to, to hold people to it, or at least they thought. They were the ones always going around, uh, uh, excuse me, that's not how you should do it. And they, that was, they, they knew it and they, they tried to elevate themselves above everybody else and it drove Jesus nuts. And these guys were there not because they loved Jesus, but because they had carnal hearts. They were trying to find fault with Jesus. And they lived by the law and by their traditions that they added to the law. And what Jesus was about to say was about to bust all of that up. Because their culture and their traditions were so deep that if you just read this story, you're going to go, okay, dad, give me this. I'll give it to you. Wait, so come back home. I love you and everything's done. But you've got to understand that's not how this was. What Jesus was teaching cut to the core of the people listening. Some scripture that we have was written through, a, through a, one of the prophets or whatever to us. This was recorded of a story of Jesus sitting down and telling this group the story. So you have to understand the people that were in the, the congregation or in, in that group. Jesus begins to tell this story and he says this in verse 11. And a certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, give me the portion of goods that fall to me. Now, right now, just to paint the picture, the Pharisees sitting off to the side and they're listening or whatever, immediately at this phrase, it would have been like, what? what, 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 what? I, mean, I mean, they would, they would have been worked up and says, wait a minute, that is not what kids do. And I mean, they're, they're, they're moving around, they're, they're all frustrated, they're, they're jabbing at another, they, they want to know what this crazy man is about to say. Kids do not act this way way in their culture these words were not acceptable this was outrageous this grossly dishonored the father this went against their customs in every way possible they did they did not sell their inheritance they did not cash in their inheritance it was passed down their name meant something their land meant something their heritage and reputation meant something they would receive this after dad had died you got to understand what he was saying, to put it in our terms, there was a young man that walked up to his dad and said, I wish you were dead. That's what's going on here. Just to sit there and say there was a boy that said, Dad, I want my allowance and the allowance for the next four weeks and this simple way that we try to tell this story is not how it went. That's what was going on was huge. Dad, I have plans and they don't involve you. Dad, you're in the way of my life. I want more and it does not involve you. It would be like me telling you guys a story about one of my kids. And, and, and if I came up to you and, our, and I was just flippantly saying this. And I said, yeah, I was with my kids. And one of my kids walked up to me and says, dad, I don't like you. And they spit in my face and punched me. What would you guys do? People would be like, oh my, what? What, You're, you, and what did you do? That's what's going on right now. That, that, that's where you have to put this in here. And everybody raises up the kind of like, what, what is this man going to do? This is huge. You've got to understand, the Bible commanded, the law commanded, honor thy father and mother. That was the law. The, 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 the law that they lived by, the law that the Pharisees went around reinforcing to these people. The law stated, 
If your child dishonors you, you know what you did to your child that disobeyed you or dishonored you? You take them out and you stone them. Do, do you guys realize the level of what we're talking about here? At least, let, let's say it was not a stoning in the, the culture that they lived. Customary, what would happen is the father would reach up, publicly slap the child, disown him, and say, you are dead to me, get out of my sight. Let me prove it. When the, when the son, and I'm, I'm not trying to tell this story as if you guys have never heard it, so I'm going to kind of let the cat out of the back. At the end of this story, he comes home. Okay, I don't want to ruin that for anybody, but he comes home. And the father, when he runs back, he says, my son was dead, but now is alive. You got to understand the customs of what's going on. When that boy walked off, it was as good as if they had a funeral in a casket and everything was done. That's how extreme this was. It's huge. Way more than just an inappropriate request in disrespecting the father. But Jesus explains the request. Give me the portion of goods. Now just so you guys know, that phrase right there, portion of goods, is not mentioned anywhere else in the other 66 books of the Bible. The word portion of goods is only mentioned here. See, dad was still alive. He could not ask... For his land. He could not ask for his house. He wanted his inheritance. But he could not inherit what was not yet free to take. You see what was going on. Is he was saying give me the portion of goods. This was not the word used for land or fixed assets. And those kind of things that normally would be inherited. He was saying dad give me a third of everything you can liquidate at this moment. Dad, I want you to walk into your house right now and you start digging through your drawers and you start digging through your stuff and you start selling your possessions. I want to cash in on your stuff right now. Can you imagine your kids doing that? I mean, you just think about it. If if your son walked in and said, hey, Dad, uh, you mind if I sell this on Craigslist and take the money and go on a trip? And, hey, where's Mom's wedding ring at? I, 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 I mean, that's what's going on here. What I'm trying to do is I'm trying to get you guys to set up the idea of you don't want to know why this boy just didn't stand up and run home. He had burnt every bridge. He had hit bottom. This was a big deal. He was telling his dad, I want out. And I don't want to come back. Not only that, I want to cash in at everything that I have so I never have to come back and see your face. And then the shocking response of the father. And this is where the Pharisees just started falling out all over the place. In verse 12, and he divided unto them his living. No slap. No, I'm done with you. None of this. Guys, I have to remind you of why everything that we talk about. Jesus did not come to do away with the law. He came to fulfill the law. He came to be the sacrifice and all that. He wasn't trying to say, oh, that's not needed. No, he became it to, to, the, to the detail of the law. But what I am trying to say is God came to establish a relationship with us. Once again, just like last week, this is not a, a story about sinner and God. 
or creator and person. This is about a father and a son once again. And God telling the Pharisees and everybody else, this is what I want in life. And the father let him go. Do you know why? God does not put chains on us and make us serve him. God does not sit over you and demand and make you because God desires for us to love him the way that he loved us. God wants us so bad to cry out, Daddy, Daddy. God wants us so bad to, bad to run to him. What an incredible display here. In verse 13, and not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and he took his journey into a far country and there he wasted his substance with riotous living. And we all know what happens next. We all know that he got off track. We all know that he ran on this journey. But I just want to walk you through basic steps this morning and explain how do we, how do we that have the blessings and the Father and the good and the knowledge and, and everything here end up eventually way over there? How does that happen? How do people that used to be in these missing seats right now end up being where they, they, it's been two years since they've been in church? How do people that used to teach Sunday school and people that used to teach marriage classes now are, are, are not even married to the same person that they were referencing when they get, had their marriage classes? Let me ask you, church, how does that happen? How do great men of God and great people that you can look back on your life have had an influential role of leading you to Christ? Today, you don't even know if they're in church. Say, well, that won't be me. I, I, I've, I figured it out. And I'm staying here and I'm doing this. But let me tell you, greater people than you have fallen harder. They got off track. Let me show you. Number one, we're just going to use this man as an illustration. Number one, getting off track begins in the heart. Begins in the heart. It is an inward spiritual battle. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but of, but of this world. See, Satan has this plan and he knows. Because I, I love you, but let me tell you, this is not, Satan's not going to come up to you and say, hey, I think you need to run from God. I think, I think you need to drop out of church or whatever. That, that's, God's not, Satan's never going to work that way. See, the Bible explained that Satan is subtle. He slithers into your life. He whispers in your ear. He throws things out there. And he does it little by little by little. And everything that got that teenager to rebel. Or everything that they got that husband away from his wife. Or everything that got that wife to get on Facebook to talk to that guy she shouldn't. All of that stuff happened. And it all started inward, never outward. That's how people go to church. And eventually they're out when they're sitting there. But there's a battle going on in their mind. Here's how it ha happened. This is, this is how it happened. First of all, we become distracted. We go in every direction in life and we get our eyes off of Father and what He has done and what He has given. Something in life catches our attention. It pulls us away. This happens all the time. People, young people, get on in some of the most zealous teenagers I've ever seen. Doing good, loving God, faithful. Man, this, this kid is going to be the next leader of the church. Goes off to college. Making good grades. 
I'm going to make, have a career. I'm going to make money. I'm going to this. And all of a sudden, everything dealing with God is out the window. So, well, that's how young people are. No, that's how all of us are. Whether it is a relationship, whether it is somebody that you met or, or, or money or whatever it is, it is so easy and Satan does that because all he is is you're serving God and you're loving God and he's standing over there going, you turn your head and all of a sudden you're, you're, you're distracted. He, ca- he captures your attention. He does this with lust. He does this with people. He does this with young people trying to be popular and fit in. He distracts us with entertainment. He distracts us with people that we date. And then it, and this, I'm just telling you, this is how it happened. Somewhere along the line, that boy woke up in his dad's nice house. And he said, well, what did this boy have? Dad was rich. I don't know if you guys figure that out. Dad was rich in the story. When the dad comes out at the end and he puts the robe and the ring on his finger. And he turns and says, kill, go kill the fatted calf. Okay, that's not nothing that poor people did. Okay, every and the servants ran to kill the fatted calf. How many of you have a fatted calf right now for a Super Bowl party or whatever? I mean, just this was big time. What what was going on right here? He had it all. He was blessed. But he went from being distracted, something in his life to being discontent. To be discontent. He no longer saw his future, his loving father, or his good home. You know, some way and somehow we, lo- we lose the value of what we have right in front of us. You get out of church and you don't even realize that what you have right now has great value. The people around you have great value. Being here with people of God has great value, especially in this rotten world. This is good. This is great. This is home. This is blessings. We become discontent. And then all of a sudden this happens in marriage and everything else. You you, you look at all the faults of your spouse and you cannot see the good of your spouse. He looked at all the faults of what he did not have with dad and he did not see the good of what he had in dad. I could do better. I could be happier. That way over there is better than where I'm at. If I just had that, Satan was subtle, but he is a liar. He is a liar. I grew up, I didn't know it at the time, but I grew up in a poor home. My mom, when she was here this last time, we were driving around and she just blurted out, she says, you know, you boys, you grew up poor. I didn't know I grew up poor. I didn't didn't know. I I just, I thought things were tight or whatever. And and looking back at some of the things that we did, and uh, I I remember one time, um, my friends all had Night, uh, or, um, Air Jordans. Do you guys know what Air Jordan? Okay, first of all, Michael Jordan was a basketball player. Okay, and he had shoes that cost like hundreds of dollars, and all my friends had these. And then these Air Jordans, where they actually could kick the pump. If you guys remember that, you'd stick the pump in there and you'd pump up your shoes, and they could slam and dunk and do all the cool stuff after that. I had no Air Jordans. I had Air WalMarts. Okay. It's like, what is that? Air clearance sale? That's what I was wearing. I didn't know until somebody pointed it out and said, where'd you get those, Walmart? And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> it's like, I didn't know he was making a, a crack on me. I didn't. And so I go home and I'm like, mom, 
I don't know if you knew this, but all the other kids are wearing Air Jordans, and I'm wearing these things, and these things came from Walmart. And my mom stands up, tears coming down her ears, her face. (laughs) They cry differently in Alabama. It's it's different. You wouldn't know. (laughs) Oh, my. (laughs) And she says... Tony, I, I do the best and I work as much as I can. And that's all I have to give you. You know what I did? I, I became discontent with the blessings of what I had. And a lot of times we're not grateful for what we have until we're in the pig pen realizing what we don't have. You don't realize what a blessing your home is and a blessing your spouse is. You're sitting there at work with that lady or that friend or that person on Facebook thinking, man, if I was married to her, if I was married to him, you wouldn't want to be married to her or him because she's got her own problems. You just can't see it because we put up a facade that everything else is okay on the outside, but it's not true on the inside. He became discontent. But you know what these things lead to? They lead to disobedience. All of a sudden now, we become critical and bitter and angry and I'm not doing that. And you can imagine in the home, dad probably saw this coming. Dad, why do we have to get up? And dad, why do we have to take care of that? And here we go again. And dad, dad, dad. And all dad's rules and all this. Rebellion became evident in his life. So you you don't know this. Here's the thing. No son wakes up to walk up to his father all of a sudden and just say, give me everything, old man. I wish you were dead and I'm out of here. That does not just happen. You and I do not get off track with God overnight. And the reason why I'm telling you this right now, and it's become evident in some of our lives, you are already distracted. Your mind is not on God and what He has done. You have already become discontent with the blessings that God, you're complaining about what you don't have rather than what you do have. And that rebellion comes in our heart and we become disobedient. And that disobedience starts telling, why do you even have to go to church? I, I, why, why do you have to listen? Why do you have to go? Why do you have to do that? And Satan begins to tell you, your parents are doing nothing but trying to keep you from being happy. That church, you're going to go there, it's a bunch of do's and don'ts. And they're going to tell you how to live your life and all this stuff. And we just begin to get off track. Getting off track begins in our heart. Getting off track is one decision at a time. One decision at a time. It's not, it doesn't take long for your thoughts to turn into actions. It doesn't take long for your thoughts to turn into let, let me give you an illustration. David is on the roof. David catches a glance of Bathsheba. And, and, and you say, well, the Bible doesn't say this. Somewhere along the line, that look turned into action. It, he turned and said, go fetch her for me. Notice chapter 15, verse 11 again. And he said, a certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me a portion of goods that follow to me. Four verses later, he's in the pig pen. <laughs> oh, wait a minute. How do you go from that to this so fast? How does that happen? Here it is, church. It's one 
step at a time. And the reason why I tell you that, because right now some of you are thinking, that's not a big deal. It's not a big deal. Pastor Tony, it's not a big deal. I wish my parents would get, that's not a big deal. It's not a big deal. I'm serious. I'm telling you, I didn't go to church last Sunday. I didn't go last Sunday. I'm not getting out of church. I promise. It's just we had a late night. The kids were tired. and yeah, da, 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 da. Well, I've been really busy. I mean, if you, if you just knew how busy we'd been. Well, honestly, if you, if you know the truth, I don't see why we can't worship from home anyways. I, you know what I'm saying? I mean, to, to say and I'll get caught up in all this stuff that you got to go to church. And I had that shoved down my throat when I was growing up. Eventually, the kids are saying, Mom, Dad, remember when we used to go to church? Oh, yeah. Well, I don't know. They were teaching evolution, and I, I don't know. If, I, I, don't, I haven't figured out which one's right. The teacher said creation. You'd have to be an idiot to believe creation. No, that's not, that's not true. God is the only way, and God is the author of everything. God, Dad, where are you getting this from? Well, the Bible. Oh, you mean the stuff you, we used to hear about in church? How did you get there? It started with a headache. It started with you getting upset about something dumb. Made an excuse that led to this, that led to that. Every person here that has ever gotten away from the Father and got into the pig pen got there one step at a time. Here's how this happens. Number one, we walk away from what we need. Everything he needed was there. But it's amazing how when you get your mind on what you think you need, you walk away from what you did need. That's why, that's why kids, and I'm not trying to turn this and pick on young people, but I mean in the story, that's that example. Your parents do not have it all worked out. They don't. Your parents are going to say and do things that are dumb. Jordan, you can stop taking notes. <laughs> your parents are not perfect. But I tell you, God did give them to you and your life as an asset to grow you and to build you and to bring you to the place where God wants you to be. This church is not perfect. The people in this church are not perfect. But God established the church his idea of bringing us together for the purpose of worship and fellowship and preaching and outreach and discipleship and missions and everything else was something good. But the devil's goal is to get you away from that one step at a time. For you, young people, to get away from your, your, your parents one step at a time. One decision, one action, one party, one person that you bring into your life at a time. But see, here's the thing. It wasn't just him leaving what he needed. It was what he was going to that he did not lead. He began to spend his life on this ravished living. And just like that, one by one, everything was there. What's the big deal with that? Hey, I could go there. I've got the money for that. This looks fun. What will this hurt? You say, how bad was it? Well, we'll get into that next week. 
Because the older son, when the boy comes back, begins to say, Dad, we know what he did. And he makes this interjection referencing what the son did. It wasn't good. He walked away from what he needed. I guarantee you, he was justifying every step. Well, I left my dad because he's this. And you know what? That church, that. And my spouse, this. And if she would straighten this up and all this. And we make excuses. And we get further and further and further from what we need. And then he ends up going to a far country. You've got to understand. They were Jews. And I don't have time to explain this. But he ran to Gentiles. How do you know that? He jumped in a pig pen. Okay. <laughs> this is like, no, you don't do that. Jews did not even touch pig or pork. And here he is wallowing in it. It's amazing how we can listen to this. And I need, I need to just point this out before we finish up. I'm giving the illustration of getting off track in our hearts and one step at a time and one decision at a time and all this other stuff. But you need to understand this. The principle at the end of this story is he got to a place in his life where his life just stunk. And some of us are getting this picture right now. Oh, that's right. He got out of church and ended up being a drunk bum on the corner of Columbus. That is not the story at all. You realize that we can have bitterness and things build up in our hearts. We get off track one step at a time. And it's our attitude that stinks. Our Christian life that stinks. Our marriage or relationships or parenting or witnessing that stinks. It does not have to be the idea that you are sitting there running to the world with needles shot up in your arms and being an alcoholic and cursing God every night. We're simply saying, getting away from where the Father wants you to be. Let me say it like this. You can be in church today and still be sitting in the pig pen. Your mind this morning can be that pig pen. Your attitude this morning can be that pig pen. Your attitude and witness and and, and all the things that God is giving you. See, see, if, if there's no joy in praising God and all this, then there, there's something wrong. Your life stinks. Getting off track starts in our hearts. It's one decision at a time. And it always leads to bondage. This pig pen was always the plan and the destination that Satan had for this young man. It always was. Sit there and say... I'm going to get out of the authority of my life or I'm going to get away from God or church or parents or whatever it is. The things that God says in the Bible for this is good. Everything and we skid off and say this won't hurt me. Here's the thing. If you're going to try to drive off the interstate, you're going to end up in the ditch. You know what I'm saying? It's not a matter. I think I could go through that cornfield and be okay. You're not going to do it. You were not made to to go off-roading your minivan through a cornfield. And I know that's a far off extreme of an illustration, but here's the thing. As Christians in life, you were not made to live in the world. You were created by God to have fellowship with the Father. And as children of God, when you step away from the Father, there is a hole missing in your life. It will not work. And everything over there that he discovered and everything in this world is only one thing that it will lead to every single time. It will always, always lead to bondage. Always. Verse 13, second part, and he wasted his substance with riotous living. 
And we have spent all there rose a mighty famine in the land. And he began to be in want. Here, here's, here's what getting off track from God does. It strips you down. See, the reason why it strips you down is everything that the father had. The, the father every day when he woke up gave him breakfast and gave him food and gave him shelter and gave him protection. That's what our God does. We come into fellowship and church and we sit there and God builds you up. The Bible talked about for the edifying of the saints. That's why we're here. You step away. You step away from the building up and the edifying. You're sitting there, I don't know why my life. Quit blaming God. Man, I talk to people and sit there and, and, and they've they slept around and they've been in the world and they turn their back on God and they've done all this and they say, I ask God to forgive me. You, God will forgive you. You reap what you sow. You cannot jump in the pig pen and expect, expect to come out smelling like roses. See, here's the thing about the steps that we take. Every step we take, and I'm telling you, when you get off track, this is just the deal. When you get off track, every step you take, you don't think about the consequences. You know what you think about? You think about this. And this will make me happy. And that's what sin does. Because the truth of the matter is you are correct. That is a correct statement. Because the Bible says that sin is fun for a season. And you tell your parents and say, if I go to that party, I will have fun. The dad needs to tell you and says, yes, you will. That is true. You probably will have fun. But there's strings attached. There's bondage attached. There's sin attached. The, the, nothing that the devil gives you comes cheap. It always comes with a price tag. This boy came out, he had fun, but eventually it stripped him down because everything the world has to offer never gives back. The Father gave him everything he needed, but I promise you, when you get away from God, it never gives back. Lust takes, but it does not give. Drugs take, but they do not give. Anger and bitterness will take, but it will never, never come back and bless your life. Verse 14, and when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in the land, and he began to be in want. The next thing that it does, it, it leaves you empty. You, you got to understand, when you get away and, and, and you find out, it will strip you of your reputation. It will strip you of your morals. It will strip you of the things you thought was good. You're standing there, I'm telling you, it's... You're trying to be a dad and something stirs you up in your heart. You've been out of church and you've gotten away from God and you're not reading your Bible. And your kids are watching something and they curse God and you stand up and go, that's not right. Okay, Mr. Churchman, where'd this come from? You've lost your authority. Because everything that we're supposed to do, we base on God's word. But when you set it down and you don't live by it and then you keep on wanting to point back to it, they don't look at you as authority. They look at you as a hypocrite. Don't get mad at me. I'm just telling you. And the thing is, when we're walking with God, we have all the blessings, the power, the, the, the sword, everything. But when we leave it behind, it strips us. It leaves us empty. This boy got to the point where in the, he, he is flat out empty in a, in a land of famine. The world has nothing to give you. Although on the outside it looked good, but when he got in there, there was nothing to give back. And here's the most interesting point. And when he joined himself to a citizen of that country, he sent him into his fields to feed the swine. Do you know why he did something so disgusting? 
He was desperate. You get away from God, I promise what it will give you, it will make you desperate. You'll do things you never thought you would do. You'll, you'll say yes to things, you'll change your life. And, and I mean, we, we watch the news and we're going, oh my goodness, man, uh, man arrested or mom arrested for selling their child to, for drugs. And you're thinking, how oh, in the world, back up five years in that person's life, they'd, they, they would tell you that they would die for their kid, not sell their kid. That boy never planned for this to happen. And when he had feigned, he, he filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat. And no man gave unto him. Here's the last thing and we're done. It changes your outlook. You can imagine thinking back to what he had and being in that pig pen. And he's sitting there gnawing on that pig food and having the pigs around him and all that stuff. Do you know what it does? It messes with you in every perspective. I can't go back. I, I, I did horrible to begin with. If my dad saw me now, he would, he would say, you got what you deserved. You got everything that was coming to you. In our minds, people will stay out of church because they're sitting there thinking with the idea, I couldn't go back. The way that I am, the, the place that I've put myself in my life, I don't belong in there. I don't have to, anything to offer. I've had my ring of authority stripped. I've had my possessions, my reputation. I have nothing, nothing to give back to the dad. Simply, what happens when we get off track? Some of you are saying there's just no way. And it could be that you're right now Dealing with it in your heart. You're discontent. But I tell you, it won't end there. I, this isn't the point, though. The point that we're trying to wrap around is the amazing story of what happens next. You say, I already know the story, but I, d please come back next week because here's the thing that we lose. You've got to understand what, what, what Jesus was telling the Pharisees at that moment. He was painting this picture in front of them to say, hey, it, it was bad when he left. It was horrible with what he did. But you think that they dropped their jaws and fell over as he's explaining this story? And wait till that pig pen boy runs to dad and dad runs to him. You want to know the Pharisees over there? They're doing CPR on those boys right there going, what? That's not what our God would do. But that is what our God did. Amen. You try to explain that in a story. And that's why Jesus had to tell story after story after story and illustration after illustration. Because the whole time God was saying, I know the pig pen that you're in and I know the mess and I know how you ran and I know how you slapped me in the face. God's still doing this. Try to put that into words. Try to explain that. The love of God isn't just something we can tell in a sermon. It's something you have to experience in your life.